The following podcast contains spoilers and adult language. We recommend watching the movie beforehand, but hey, that isn't your bag. No worries. You do you. Brought to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash matinee If you'd like to support the show, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all proceeds after hosting costs will go towards actual manatee habitat preservation, because we like to pay it forward by giving back. Enjoy the show. Sorry, I don't have. <laughs> I don't have much to lead into. No, that, that, that's one thing one can focus on, but you can also focus on uh, what is best in life. Well, I mean, it's. Something about feeling the wind in your hair or some bullshit, right? No. No, that's wrong. Oh. I guess I got the entire message of this movie wrong. Fuck. Fuck, no wonder you're unhappy. Like, am I the only one? We went back and checked out Conan the Barbarian from 1982. Not 2006? 11? Something wrong. It's, yeah, 2010 or 2011, something like that. Yeah, that is an important distinction. Because, uh, I don't vouch for the new one. I have not watched it, so I couldn't, I can't tell you my opinion on it. I did. I've actually watched all three. I watched Kung Barbarian, the first, this one. I watched Kung the Destroyer, the sequel that was rated PG. Oh god. Had a different writer and a different director and a different entourage except for Mako. 
and uh, it didn't mm. really work. Yeah. And then I saw the the Jason Momoa one, and he was fine casting, but the movie didn't work. Did you happen to watch Red Sonia, which was supposed to be a Conan sequel, but ended up not? But still had Arnold in I it. did. I did, but that was a long time ago that I saw that one. Mm. But yeah, it was, uh. It, it had him drop in for like a 45 second cameo, so it could be marketed as in the same universe, but it has nothing to do with him. Yeah. In fact, the character Red Sonia was another Robert Howard character, but she's set in, like, Victorian England or something. Oh, instead of prehistory or whatever the fuck this one yeah, is. I mean, I mean, for the movie, they changed it to prehistory, but it didn't mm. work. Very well. Mm, yeah. But, okay, check it out. Call the Barbarian, 1982. IMDb, 6.9. Tomato meter, 67. 74% audience appreciation. Guess what it got on Amazon.com? 4.5 stars? 4.5 stars on Amazon.com. I'm finally starting to figure them out. It's only taken six years. They're pretty inscrutable, but... Uh, when you really get into their heads, you can guess what they're going to think of a given movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know... Once once you kind of understand the, the will of the people, I guess, it, uh, it all starts to make sense. Because this movie... Uh, I should have mentioned this earlier. This is the movie about a man who uh, was crucified and died and rose from the dead to save us all from the serpent. That man's name was Kung the Barbarian. (laughs) (laughs) This movie was written and directed by the giant hairy maniac John Milius (laughs) who also wrote Red Dawn, Apocalypse Now, and the TV series Rome, which I liked a lot, and is apparently the inspiration 
for John Goodman's character in Big Lebowski. Oh. That's, a, that's the kind of That's guy interesting. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm terrified. You see a picture of him. Yeah, when you see a picture of him, it exactly tracks. So, really, I'm really not. He's the one person I didn't look up when I was... I didn't do a lot of research for this movie, which I'll... I'll tell you about my issues with it in a, in a bit, but... Weirdly enough, I didn't look up the director. I usually look up the director. Well, he, uh... He looks like... John Goodman from Big Lebowski. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. That's what I know. Uh, But it was based on Robert Howard's characters from his books in like the 1930s. He had three main ones uh, he wrote Conan the Barbarian he also wrote all of the Cold the Conqueror books they tried to make a movie with that out of, or out of that with Kevin Sorbo but Kevin Sorbo's garbage and it didn't work very yeah. well and also Solomon Kane hmm it's like a pure okay. and that takes place later. Those are all Robert Howard's characters. I read every Conan story he ever wrote. That same summer I wrote all of the H.P. Uh, Lovecraft things he ever wrote. <laughs> um, because... It was the first summer of the pandemic, and I wasn't up to a lot. Uh, mm. So I know all of the written stories, but Conan the Barbarian got much bigger later because it was a comic book series for a while um, after Howard's death, and it seems like that's where a lot of this comes from. And Thulsa uh, Doom in this movie is actually a character from Cold the Conqueror, so like it all gets mixed up. Oh, okay. I just saw a picture of John Milius, and yeah, I see the exact, exact like a copy, carbon copy of right John Goodman's character. He's- it's scary. It's terrifying. Apparently, was always whipping his gun out and stuff during meetings, like the John Goodman character. So God, I don't so, know. so he is Walter. What's his name? <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ! Apparently, he's pretty right. crazy. Sounds like it. But he also, you know, he wrote Apocalypse Now in Rome, so I like him. Yeah. I probably wouldn't want to be in a room with him, but I like him. 
The, uh, the first draft of this was written by Oliver Stone, uh, famously of Platoon and Scarface and Any Given Sunday and Natural Born Killers. So we were looking at a really sort of high quality draft, but he wanted to take place in a post-apocalyptic future, a la Mad Max, um, where everything had regressed to medieval stuff, which uh, could have worked. It actually probably wouldn't yeah. be that different, but it's not what the books were about. And it's not what they wound up going with. Also, his script would have cost a lot of money, apparently. Hmm. How much did this cost, anyway? I don't even know. Estimated $20 million. That's kind of a lot, right? For 1982? I think a lot of it was honestly just the extras, because this is pre-CGI crowds. (laughs) That's a lot of people in this movie. And they also, like, they forged actual swords so that the weight would be right. Um, So, like, uh, prop swords actually, uh... 10 pound, 20 pound, whatever this way. I was curious about that. Yeah. I was kind of curious about that, so that's interesting to know that it was, it's real. It's not foam or aluminum or whatever. Yeah, you, most of it doesn't come up, but you can tell a little when he's doing that famous cliffside swinging it around thing. Like, oh, yeah. it's got actual heft to it, and the, yeah. the bounce isn't usually in movies because they're not actually swinging a thing that their, you know, joints would recoil off of. Mm-hmm. Um... And they, they apparently actually build that mountain of doom staircase thing. And, oh wow! Uh, it is, you know, they they were doing some stuff. Yeah. So twenty mil. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it is starring people who, at the time, were mostly famous for being a weightlifter, uh, a surfer, and a dancer. Because this isn't the sort of movie where acting is that important, mostly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh... Arnold Schwarzenegger, we've of course heard of. He he was in 
damn near everything is mad at Man Tia Wong, who's Terminator and Terminator 2. But at the time, he was most famous for the weightlifting documentary Pumping Iron and a uh, a fictional story about a spy who has to infiltrate gym culture called Stay Hungry. Jesus Christ. That was what he was known for. So he was mostly... He was was Mr. Universe, but not an actor at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. His friend Subutai is played by Jerry Lopez, whose main credit at the time was his surfing documentary called Big Wednesday in 1978. Uh, Milius was apparently a surfer and knew Gary Lopez, who was just like, you want to be in a fucking movie? <laughs> and that's what they did. And also starring Sandal Bergman, who was a dancer in All That Jazz, Xanadu, and The Dean Martin Show, and had not acted before this. Hmm. Making this a sword and sandal epic. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I was so ex- proud of myself for that. <laughs> her, her that is actually that's off. that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Thank you very much. I'll give you credit for it. Somehow I somehow that completely passed me by that pun. I'm sure someone else has made it, but I made it for the first time that I heard, and that's the important thing. Exactly. But on top of all these people who are not actors... Oh, also, Rexor, the giant mustache guy, Mm -hmm. bad guy, who is not the main bad guy is a uh, football player who used to be in the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> so it's just... This is... Okay, I'm feeling a lot of, like, weird acting parallels to, um... Troll 2... Cause like, I mean, it's it's not the same, but it's it's also like they're all not known as actors. No, John Millis was casting for a very specific thing, which is more muscles. <laughs> that was what he was going for. Yeah. And it, it worked. Um, ben mm-hmm. Davidson, the guy who played Rexar, is six foot eight in real oh, wow. life. 
I don't know how much you weigh, but I'm gonna guess a thousand pounds? <laughs> and I, yeah, that's, that's probably accurate. I mean, if he was, if he used to play football, I mean, he was that height, he's probably like a lineman, so he's probably at least 300 pounds, if not much higher. And you know, I'll give him this, like, it's hard to make a big hammer look like a good weapon in, uh, movies, because it's not a good weapon. Yeah. But, uh... I believe that he could swing around quickly enough to knock someone's head off. Cause he's... Yeah. Six foot eight and has that mustache. Yeah, I can see that. But along with non-actors, we also got... James Earl Jones, who at this point is already famous for Star Wars and Doctor Strangelove. He is, of course, the best. We also got, for a couple seconds, Max von Sydow, who was already in The Exorcist and Flash Gordon. And it's a Matinee Manatee alum because he was in Exorcist 2 for a little oh, while. God. He was in the flashbacks, and you're like, is this movie good? It's like, no, none of these characters will be seen again. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Linda Blair. She's in the second one, right? She is the protagonist. She, she, she was not the problem with that movie. Also, yeah. James Earl Jones is in the second one. Oh, wait. Remember? Yeah. In, in Exodus I, 2, he was, he was Locust Scientist, so I'm making him also Maddie Mantillum. I try to forget that movie as often as possible, but then... Yeah. It's like a reunion! Sure... <laughs> and starring Mako. Mako yeah. is one of those guys I, uh... I personally love, although I don't know if I've seen most of his things, he's been in 164 different things over his life. <laughs> he was in old superhero shows like Wonder Woman, The Incredible Hulk, and Green Hornet. He was in Magnum P.I. He was in some A-list stuff like Pearl Harbor and Memoirs of Geisha, and he was the voice of a bunch of guys. He was Uncle Iroh in Last Airbender, that's the role he died in. Yeah. He was the voice of Splinter in the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Aku and Samurai Jack. 
and had already been nominated for an Oscar at this point for Sand Pebbles in 1967. So he is an actor. Yeah. In fairness. It's just the main three characters aren't. <laughs> but they don't need to be. They're not... They're not here to act. They're here to... Uh... To... To be... I guess. Well, there, there were two roles that I think Millie's was casting for. There was muscles and voices. Yes. Because this is the first movie I've ever seen James Earl Jones be attached to where he wasn't the voiceover narrator because they got that many good voices to choose from. Yeah. Actually, I was kind of... Instead. I was kind of surprised that... Like, you've got James Earl Jones, and I I realized that there's supposed to be, like, the mystique of behind False of Doom, behind his character, but we also only see him once at the beginning of the movie, and I, th- I think that we see him again maybe one more time, and then, like, an hour and ten minutes on the movie, he finally speaks, and it's like, what are you doing? You're, you're wasting, you're wasting James Earl Jones by having him not talk, but then again, he barely shows up until that point, so, I don't know. Well, I wonder how many days they had him for. Because, mm. like, two of his, his major scenes are on the same set, which is that big staircase thing. It's true. I think I... I think I read very briefly that he was working on, like, Broadway at the same time. So maybe he really just did not have a lot of time to, uh, to, to do his scenes. Maybe. But apparently, and this is cute, uh, behind the scenes, he and Schwarzenegger formed sort of a friendship where they would help each other out because he was looking to put on more muscle mass, uh, and Schwarzenegger's the best, you know, weight trainer in the world at this point, and would help him to sort of set up sets and you know, spot him, get a, get a routine going that he was comfortable with. And James Earl Jones would, in return, try to help Schwarzenegger with basic English elocution, which he didn't have yet. 
Jennifer Jones being possibly the best speaker in the world at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember See, reading... that sounds cool. I remember reading a long time ago that, uh, Schwarzenegger's first, like, on-film role was as Hercules in the movie Hercules in New York. And I remember reading, and this might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that I read somewhere that they dubbed over his voice because he seemed like he could barely speak English, like he was, he was on, uh, he, they couldn't understand what he was saying or something. And he was doing like Andre the Giant did in Princess Bride, where he was learning his lines phonetically, I think, but not mm. actually what they meant. Yeah, because yeah, he was like, 22 when that movie came out, which I'm I'm constantly surprised by by Schwarzenegger's age in some of these movies, because like I always think of him as being younger than he is, because he's like. 35 or 36 when this movie came out, which is not old, but it's older than I would have expected for someone with his physique, I guess. Well, yeah, keep in mind, bodybuilding isn't actually athleticism. Yeah. I think it's a lot easier to maintain. I mean, you look at what happens to young, uh, cut athletic actors as they get older, where they get boxier and, and sort of jowlier. Yeah. Um, David Boreanaz. Uh, when we, we first saw him in Buffy, he was pretty athletic, and and by the end of Angel, he was very boxy. But when boxy is what you're going for, I think you're correcting you pretty long at that. Yeah. And. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger might be the boxiest. <laughs> that seems right, yeah. But no, it's, it's always just kind of surprising. Like, there's this and there's Terminator, which was a few years later, and then Terminator 2, where he's still jacked in his mid-40s, I think. Which is... It's... I mean, but then again, he, he probably just has that kind of 
uh, genetics to to stay with that kind of body. He's still fairly jacked now. He's like 70-something. Yeah. I mean, they'll try to embarrass him with, you know, swim trunks photos where it's like, look, he has kind of moobs because he used to have pecs that were bigger than most women's entire bodies. And like, yeah, that's... That's not an insult. This guy could tear my head off. <laughs> like it's... <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, he's 70, but that's not the only you guys think. Yeah. Sorry, I lost my notes. I don't no have that worries. many notes. Um, I, I also don't. Started, I started watching this movie like I'm supposed to watch movies for the podcast, and then just sort of started smiling and watching it. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, is my problem, not yours. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Millie's first one, Arnold, to do the opening narration, and I'm glad that he was overruled on that. <laughs> yeah. But sorry, I cut you off earlier. No, no, it's okay. Uh, I'll I'll get into it in a little bit. Unless you want, unless okay. you want me to talk about my issues with the movie now. Yeah, go ahead. I'll get into play by play later. That's the format of our ridiculous movie podcast. Okay. Where we talk about, but let's be real, mostly just describe movies everyone's already seen second of all. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a niche. So, yeah, exactly. So, okay. I, no, I don't have the problem with the movie as the whole. Because I'm sure the movie's great. But... It's, the issue is more with me than with the actual movie. Because... Uh, dear listener, as I've mentioned probably once or twice, or a thousand times, uh, I'm visually impaired to the point where I'm legally blind, so watching a lot of things is difficult for me at best. Uh, so, a lot of the times when I watch movies for this podcast, I have to, when I watch along on a computer, I have to shrink my 
viewing like my viewing window down to the point where it's like the size of a smartphone so a lot of details I might miss but if I don't do that then I can only see about 5% of my computer's screen, so I can't see what's going on either way. The other thing is that if there are ever scenes taking place in darkness, like in a cave or at night, then I basically can't see anything that's happening. So, because about half of this movie takes place at night or in a cave or an abandoned house, I couldn't see what was happening through 50% of the movie. And then because the other half of the movie took place with a lot of sort of grays and browns. Um, I don't know if it was just me or the, the version of the movie I watched, but it seemed like the, the whole movie was kind of drab, like color-wise. Was it just me, or is it actually like that? No, it's very drab. It takes place in a, uh, prehistoric desert. Um, okay. I don't know why people seem to think prehistory is mostly deserts. I think it was exactly as green as it is now, but... Yeah. Uh, that sort of the deal. I thought that would make it more uh, visually distinct for you. Sorry, I didn't think of that. Like, the... I knew that the night stuff would be rough, but the, uh... Yeah. figured day where it's mostly brown and, and gray and blue would be pretty clear, but it, it is drab. Uh, I mean, like, so what, just, what was weird not distinguish... Yeah, for me it actually, like, everything just sort of kind of weirdly blends together. So, it's really hard for me to see anything that happens in this movie. And normally that wouldn't bother me. Like, we've watched movies with a lot of action sequences and stuff. Um, but the other thing about this movie is that it's like 90% show, not tell. There's very little dialogue in this movie. So, True. there's like, there's like five, six minutes of just visuals and I can't tell what the fuck is happening at all. So like, like the, it's just, 
it's not that the movie is bad. It's that it's bad for me because the, I can't tell what's happening on the visual side at all. And there's no, there's like, there's like so little dialogue. I don't know, like, like they describe a few things, but for the most part, their dialogue is kind of incidental. Yeah, so I mean, it's like going caveman level, so it's like very, yeah, they kind of mostly grunt to each other. Yeah, like the the most in depth conversation I think in this entire movie is Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Gary Lopez. Jerry, Gary, I forgot. Uh, G-E-R-Y, so I'm not sure. I don't know, I'll, I'll call him Jerry. Um, they have like a, they have like a two or three minute conversation about which one of their gods is stronger. And that's like the most in-depth conversation they have. <laughs> so yeah. like, it's... It's just not the movie for me. I'm sure it's great if you can, like, see what's happening on screen. But I couldn't for the entire movie. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm relying on Ben for pretty much the entire visual description of this movie cause I didn't ha I couldn't tell anything that was going on well I'm sorry I uh I thought this would be a good one visually because it was kind of so broad and doesn't do the quick cuts thing but I uh I hadn't thought of the yeah. the color grading making it rougher what's so weird is this this is a miss on my part <laughs> I apologize yeah. I honestly I think I would have enjoyed it more if I could just see but the problem is that I'm, I'm like, it's a fucking genetic thing, and I can't fix it. So it's like, yeah. I like, I wanted to enjoy it. I really did, because I've never seen it before. But like, I just, I just couldn't tell if. Maybe if I had watched this movie like 15, 20 years ago, when my eyesight was still bad but passable, I probably would have enjoyed this movie a lot. But yeah, now uh, as I am, uh, I'm nearing 
the, the like, I don't want to say the end of my eyesight, but I'm definitely like struggling to see most things. Uh, yeah, this, this was just, it's just kind of, it was a rough go. Like, I, I mean, I, I almost, after about like 15, 20 minutes, I almost texted you and said, like, can we do something else? Cause I can't see what's going on. But I just decided to soldier on and, well, you know. The, the one good thing I will say about this movie is because there's so much, uh, just like stuff happening on the screen without a lot of dialogue, uh, I didn't have to stop and write a lot of notes. So, the movie breezed by, even though it was like two and a half, it was like two hours and five minutes or something. But it, like, it went by real fast, because it was just very little dialogue, and then a lot of Basil Polidorus's amazing goddamn soundtrack that I got to Good, because that's the other thing I was going to ask about. Yes. Basil Polidorus is my boy. Oh, man. Uh, he also did... He's famous for Robocop and Starship yeah. Troopers and pretty much mm -hmm. every theme that makes you want to punch someone in the face. Uh, in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, he also did the soundtrack to Free Willy. So, <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if I remember any songs from Free Willy, but I also haven't seen that movie in like 30 years. Uh, yeah, I haven't either, but I'm, I'm just pointing out the fact that, like, he... He did soundtracks to, like, The Hunt for Red October and Robocop and Conan the Barbarian and Free Willy. One of these things is not like the other. Well, this one is one of those films where it was fully scored, right? Like, the... Yeah. Uh, he, he he would slow it up and speed or speed it down, slow it up. That's not the words. Um, <laughs> to match what was going on, on screen, but like you can get the score to this movie, and it's the length of the movie. Like it just. Mm -hmm. It was actually in out like he scored the yeah. whole thing. It's I I don't think I've ever seen a movie that's that is just like fully scored, you know, beginning to end. And um, 
actually I read a little bit about the his composition on this movie is apparently there was a new technology that had been created that basically it's like most um, audio programs nowadays that allows you to like speed up and slow down um, audio but it was new in 1982 so we actually used that to make the so he didn't have to like conduct the music in that very specific way so that uh, certain musical hits will will hit at the same time as something happening on screen he would just like slow it down with the software until the until whatever the important beats were and he would just be able to time it out uh, exactly with the movie which is kind of neat Nice. Yeah. And it, it, it seemed to work. I mean, I guess if if you weren't seeing most of what was going on on screen, you'll have to take my word for it. But the, uh, like, the timing, the drums with clashes of swords and, and yeah, you know, big sweeping panoramas with building whatever, whatever's... You know music talk, I don't, but, uh... Yeah. It's pretty masterful from what mm-hmm. I can see, not knowing anything about it. Yeah, I, I would probably put this as maybe one of my favorite movie soundtracks of all time. Oh, good, 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 good. Yeah, I'm glad there was so, something. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, it's, like that's that's one of the things that I, one of the few things I can focus on in any movie that we watch or any movie that I watch. If I can't see what's happening, I can at least listen to the music or the dialogue or whatever. And when the music's this good, I can be entertained by that. So. Yeah, and also, if you ever lift weights, um, specifically the, uh, the Wheel of Pain song <laughs> is very good for that. <laughs> Whenever I'm in the backyard, like, why am I doing this again? Like, while well, you're doing this, you can look like Colin the Barbarian. Like, all oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> I mean, not anymore. I used to, I used to look like Colin the Barbarian because I, you know, 
I used to have more hair, but now I think I'm more of a Dave Batista sort of, uh, sort of <laughs> But as long as I can see myself in this way, even the rest of the world doesn't. <laughs> I still feel good about it. <laughs> I don't know how to tell you this, but you're just fat. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Bulky. <laughs> you're cultivating mass. It's fine. Very strong. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I need to watch more Dave Batista movies. He's pretty good, actually. Um, I don't know how good he is, like subtle emotional acting, but he's <laughs> he's great for bombastic. Like, <laughs> he's just a cool guy. I like when they're just cool guys. Yeah. For having been a Republican governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger seems like a cooler guy than I would have thought. Yeah. But he's he's one of the few same ones But I don't know if I can forgive him for having helped George Bush get elected anyway. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I know you do what you gotta do, and you got handlers and stuff, but like, man, that killed a lot of people from my high school class. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, I mean... Schwarzenegger's father was a Nazi, so it's come a long way. Hmm. That's, yeah. Progress. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, for my part, I like this movie a lot, you can probably tell. I like that they cast for big, huge, and not so much actors, because it's not a story where you need actors, but I can see at the same time why that would make it such a pain in the ass for you, because no one's talking. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, okay, this scene you need to look angry, and then bash this guy's head in. He's like, okay, okay, I've got this. But then, if you can't see it, that's nothing. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's... Gotcha. Like, say what you will about movies like, like, Troll 2. At least they're saying stuff. So, like, even if everything looks terrible 
I can I can laugh at the terrible dialogue. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I I'm I will I will refrain from complaining about the movies from now on. I've said my piece. So I, I don't, I can just, I can listen to your descriptions of what happens and we can, I can, we can go on from there. Well, I'm, I'm rethinking my, my idea to try to get you to watch Quest for Fire. Which is starring literal cavemen, like those the characters, <laughs> and has no dialogue for the entire two-hour run. Uh, starring young Ron Perlman as most caveman caveman who ever caved man. <laughs> and it's very good casting, but yeah, no one speaks. So I don't know. I mean, it maybe I really try to make you watch that one. I feel like it kind of depends on how the visuals, you know, how, what they look like. Cause like if it's if it's the same kind of just samey brown and gray drabness then maybe not but I mean I have heard of I have heard of Quest for Fire so it's it's sort of on my long list of stuff to watch so I, I don't know I might I might still give it a shot just kind of depends on a bunch of things, so. Is there like a, a high contrast mode or a narrated action mode or anything that you've tried? Because I know they have that for like blind blind movie watchers. They have like a little subtler voiceover describing what's happening, but I, I've never tried that myself because that's too much for my ADHD I I did actually I did think about looking for the the like narrated uh I forget what it's called but yeah I, I did think about looking for that for this movie uh but I didn't have time because I watched this yesterday. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if I had given myself more time, I probably would have found something like that. But yeah, I might look for that for Quest for Fire also, just because. It is actually something I've been curious about watching, but um, would it be, would it be worth it to you? And we can cut this out if it's not. But would it be worth it to you to try to track one of those down and like take a commercial break now and then come back like? 
Okay, so after the narrated version, after the black and white high contrast version, or after the something else, or is that not is is seeing this movie not uh, important enough to you? Um, I I'm okay with just going on. Like, I, I'll probably at some point track down a narrated version of it, um, but, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like your narration might honestly be more interesting. Because <laughs> okay. we probably just dryly describe whatever is happening on screen in a given moment whereas you have like energy and and like um can't think of the other word for it but you have like uh you're you're, you're you have like an emotional uh attachment to the movie which I feel like Probably the people who describe the movies won't. So I I don't know. I would just say let's let's go ahead because there's gonna be like it's gonna be another at least two hours, <laughs> and I don't really need to do that. So. Yeah. Also, you just gave me an idea for a whole new genre of podcast we should try to do, which is just alternate watch-along tracks with excited airs. Like, oh, okay, you don't get them. They're like three tits on screen just now. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like (laughs) the worst. I mean, honestly, I don't hate that idea. I don't either. I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about this later when I sober up a little bit. But maybe this is a good idea. <laughs> I'm not that drunk. I just, I, I went to Joshua Tree with my sister and her friends uh, this last weekend, mm-hmm. and I got left with all of the the coolers. So I'm just sort of like, <laughs> well, okay. I gotta finish this, and it's a hundred degrees this week, so now's a good time to eat, but I don't have any <laughs> soft beverages right now, so it's, <laughs> it's building up a baseline in my system. <laughs> okay, okay, so, we open... This fucking movie, we open with a voiceover that isn't James Earl Jones, or Jimmy Jones as I call him because we're friends. <laughs> Even though it's already attached to the movie, but it's okay because Mako, the other best narrator in the history of time, 
excuse uh, Master Splinter and everything. And he describes how this was in the time period between Atlantis sinking and the rise of, I guess, Arians, the sons of Arius. I assume that's what he means, but like, before Europe, after Atlantis, that 15,000 years or something. Mm-hmm. It's made up, but it's also conveniently unexplored in, like, archaeology. So if you want to say something happened, then, like, I you can know, say, no, it didn't. So you're good. Because <laughs> no one was writing and everything that wasn't built out of stone rotted away. And that's why they call it the Stone Age. Not because yeah. they didn't have shit, but because they didn't have shit that lasted. <laughs> they could have had wooden bicycles and you would never know. <laughs> uh, and I guess that's before the second ice age or the last ice age I don't know my archaeology very well yeah, I, I at some point know. some big shit happened yeah Conan's dad is Bill Smith who has 276 acting credits. Jesus Christ. I remember it was the bad guy from Rich Man, Poor Man, but he's been infamous characters in TV shows like Gunsmoke and Laredo and Kung Fu, etc. But I didn't recognize him because he's doesn't usually have hair that long or that impressive mustache. Hmm. Me. But he's he's teaching important lessons to Connor, which is that people suck, but if you get a good tool like a sword, you can trust that. And also you should probably do a bunch of push-ups. And like, that's, that's pretty good, that's fairly quotable, except I think that's what he realizes by the end of the movie isn't true, right? Because that's like the riddle of steel that he's talking about. Yeah. That you can't trust men or women or beasts, but you can trust this. And then by the end of the movie, he breaks that exact thing. <laughs> and then goes yeah. on to something else. Yeah. But then, this is pretty straightforward, because what happens then is a bunch of Arnold's bodybuilder friends, including this one crazy-looking tattooed guy... 
He doesn't say anything. He just jumps out of the woods and crouches, sneering for a minute. Uh, come in and kill his whole village. Yeah. Because fuck them. Uh, they just sort of ride in. It's like, what's up, freshman? And they cut everyone's heads off. <laughs> and <laughs> so it's, it's like hazing, but a bit more violent. That's, I mean, there's been some bad hazing in my time. That's, that's true. Uh, and the, they have a pretty great shot of, this is the first time we see Thulsa Doom, but we don't know his name yet. Yeah. In fact, I, I think we only hear it like twice in the whole movie, but James Earl Jones being, you know, James Earl Jonesy. Uh, a pretty beautiful shot of Conan's mom getting decapitated, actually, because, like, just off screen. Mm hmm. And then, like, they have. He turns around all fast, and then something falls, and then the body falls away from the kid actor. Uh. And it's pretty sad and, like, oddly pretty. But, yeah. But whatever it is, he, he gets Rottweilers to eat his dad, and he cuts off his mom's head. And then he's like, you, you come and help me grind grain. So, so they, they yeah. grab the kids. They go off with the kids. And they hook them up to before windmill technology. There was kids spinning stuff technology. <laughs> and that makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, well, this mean, shot. Fun fact. I mean, oh, go ahead. I don't know. I mean. I realize that children are cheap, especially if you murder all their families, but I don't know, children aren't that strong, right? At least not at first. That's why you have 50 of them, I think. I guess so, but, like, couldn't you do the same thing with, like, five full-grown men? I guess maybe they would want stuff, like, food. Yeah, or, or yeah. like, a single ox. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, they have those. <laughs> But he's yeah, I mean, like, no. Ride in on horses. <laughs> yeah, like you could, you could just have 
an ox or a yak or something to do the milling and it's not gonna complain. It's just gonna want to eat some grass or grains or something afterwards. But I don't know. I mean, y'all do what you, you guys, what you want to do in your prehistory, I guess. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But the good thing about the wheel paint shot, and I think the reason why they they used it is that uh, it was really easy to get because this was just what Arnold Schwarzenegger was doing during his time off anyway. Mm-hmm. So it was free to shoot they just went to his trail like, what's Arnold up to? He's pushing a big fucking wheel around. It's like, okay, so just filmed that. Uh, didn't tell him about it until next year. So that was fine. I did think and it was kind of... At some point... I, I will give them credit for like the... There's like the transition from when he's pushing it as a kid to he's pushing it as as an adult. So like that's one of the few things I could kinda tell was happening, so that was kinda neat. Yeah, and again, just the music helps a lot, because it's like oh, yeah. it's a sort of slow plotting very circular song mm-hmm. um, and all the other kids die but he doesn't <laughs> Conan yeah. uh, so he just absorbs all the other kids into him that's why it's so big <laughs> I guess I'm not a biologist But once he's eaten all the other children, he becomes huge. And he's so huge that a guy comes by and wants to buy him. Like, what if you got like a single ox and let me use this guy for something only humans can do? <laughs> and the guy's like, an ox? So he sells Conan. <laughs> To, uh, I guess just a gladiator pimp, whatever you call those, like Proximo in the movie Gladiator. Yeah. And and he's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him knives and I'm gonna put him in a hole with. This other guy who has knives and they're going to beat each other up and whoever wins gets money or whoever loses gets money depending on bets. I don't know how it works. Mm-hmm. So, we get a montage 
caught in winning by most just being bigger than everyone. <laughs> he's not like doing any fight stuff, but he's doing like twist their arms around and hit them in the shoulder stuff, and that works. And I noticed that this is where I think that sort of iconic Schwarzenegger sort of grunting noise comes from. Because, like, that's where that's the noise. Yeah, that's the noise that everyone makes when they want to imitate Arnold Schwarzenegger. And apparently it's from here. Because, like, I don't think you hear him do that in most of his other movies. The sort of like sort of noises like he doesn't do that in other movies. <laughs> but that's something that everyone like Yeah, go ahead. In Predator, when he's sliding down the hill, I think he does it. But that's the only time I can think of. Yeah, but I just think it's funny that that's the noise that everyone always does when they want to imitate Arnold. It's that noise. So, it's cool to see the, uh, the, the origin of that. Well, I can't picture doing just struggle noise pickups and it being good. Yeah. But I've also <laughs> never heard of anyone else. Because, you know, like, how do you... Okay, you're staying in front of a mic in dark room. It's like, okay... Now you're, you're grunting, you're being thrown around, do it. It's like, uh, 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 like, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> um, but the Arnold one was particularly interesting, because yeah. yeah, it's like, it's, it's amazing. His, it's his very specific vocal timbre or whatever you want to call it like like he has a he has a very distinct voice even if you discount the the accent um so like when he makes those sorts of noises like yeah it's 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 very clearly him it's not like you know it's him, and you'll always recognize that sort of noise. Yeah, no one else has quite the, uh... Maybe it's just jowl muscles. I don't know, but something weird about how he holds his mouth. Because whenever I try to do an Arnold impression, I always wanted to do an underbite. Like, mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that has anything to do with what he's actually doing, but... But it might. I don't know. 
So like, what if we, uh, what if we catalyze this? Let's, let's level up our Conan. <laughs> so they, they like, they take him to Mongolia, maybe? Looks like Mongolia has... Asian guy who's a swordsman? I don't know where it's supposed to be exactly. I don't think they, uh... Like, every race in this, uh, world is, is made up. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not, uh... What you call it? They're, they're not using the current names of any regions or peoples. Yeah. Um, Conan's what, like a which Sumerian think... or something? Yeah. And like I... the... I forget what Sumatai uh... is. He's like he's some other race. And... Yeah. I'm trying to remember, like, because in the, the books, there's, like, there's the Celts, but they're not Celts, they're the Picts, Pic, P-I-C-T-S, Picts. Yeah. That's like an ethnic group that they, they attribute, um, like, relics to in. Uh, the, you know, British Isles. Yeah. Uh, and then there's... What? Setites or something? No, oh, the followers. Stygians. Yes, yeah, followers of, of uh, Yeah, but... but I was trying to think, like, seems like Ethiopians, but they're called Stygians in that one, and, like, Stygia, I've heard the word before, things out like Greek mythology or something, but I don't know what it means, I don't know any of this. Yeah. Um, but they're all made up, so they can't. If it's if there's a modern equivalent, we don't know. But east to a land of large steps and Genghis Khan-style helmets <laughs> and uh, uh, someone who's. 
Chinese or Korean or Mongolian, like broadly that region. I'm bad at parsing out ethnicities. I hope it means I'm not racist as opposed to very racist. But I don't know the, uh, like, I can't, I can't tell someone's ancestry by looking at them. I can, like, give brief descriptions of eye color to police. That's all I can do. <laughs> and I never would either, because, uh, species get stitches, so it doesn't come up. <laughs> Uh, but they teach him, teach him how to sword, and they teach him, uh, how to fuck, and they teach him <laughs> how to read, and they teach him what is best in life, which is, Sam, what is best in life? Uh, oh crap, now I have to remember what the entire line is. Shit. Um, uh, to, to crush your enemies, uh, have them... Yes. Thrown, was it thrown or drawn before you? I couldn't quite understand what he said. Driven. Driven. Okay, that's why I couldn't remember it. To crush your enemies, have them driven before you, and hear the lamentations of the women. Yes! Which, uh, the, hearing the word lamentations reminded me of, uh, of, uh, of, a. Uh, of a death metal band called Opeth who did a, a, a DVD concert, like a filmed concert, and they called it Lamentations. I don't think it has anything to do with Conan the Barbarian, but, um, yeah, they're, they're an interesting band. I haven't listened to them in a long time, but I watched a few minutes of the Lamentations uh, show. It was neat. I remember Opeth. They did yeah. some song that I liked that was like all instrumental credits type music. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. I don't know, I used to listen to them a lot when I was, uh, much younger. Anyway, but near as I can tell, the guy who owns him falls in love with him or just gets really drunk some <laughs> night or for some reason lets him go. So he's just like, hey, thanks for making me all this money. I've decided that you should just go that way and lets him. Mm -hmm. Which is cool, but like, 
I expected a plot point, and there wasn't one. It's just like, yeah, and he let him in. Uh, next chapter yeah. of his life. Yeah, it... Uh, one other... I'm sorry, I said I was gonna stop complaining about this movie, but the one other thing is Dude, that... Complain! It, it does... It does feel a little disjointed. Like... When one scene ends, it's just like, okay... Now we're some amount of time later, uh, or part of like, it just felt weird, like, it was, I mean, there's not exactly a plot to follow in this movie, but things felt a little disjointed, and, um, I don't know how much time passes between certain scenes. Like, it could be three minutes or it could be a month and a half. And it's just kind of... I can't tell. But it's it's fine. It's no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm not sure they can tell, because there only seems to be one season. And yeah. I don't know how old Conan's supposed to be. I know he aged at least like 10 years as a kid, but he could age like 30 years. I don't know. It don't matter. No one yeah. dies of old age in this world. Yeah, exactly. Everyone is just slaughtered mercilessly. Yeah. Or hypnotized into throwing themselves off a cliff. You just do stuff until you can't anymore. No one's old. It's fine. Exactly. Yeah. That's just how things were in prehistory. Yeah, if you if you've got a really good plan, you eventually turn into a wizard. But that's <laughs> <laughs> those are your options. Yeah. So when he lets him go, he's basically a child. He doesn't know anything. Uh, well, I guess he knows how to read. He knows how to sword. Mm-hmm. Reading never really comes up, actually, but that's fine. And he's he's running from from dogs or wolves. I couldn't tell if this was supposed to be wild animals or like they were trying to hunt him after he sobered up or something. But he goes I, into yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's running from is the important thing. He still want to get at, which, you know, yeah. fair enough. To, I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. He, he goes into this tomb, and he finds a sword. 
Mm-hmm. And the, the sword is better than modern swords, but I'm not sure why. Because it's old. And what he does is it's all covered in rust or just calcified stone somehow. So he smashes it off, and I'm not. <laughs> not a metalsmith? I don't think that's how rust works. It might be how buildup of calcium works. Uh, if it's just like hard water stains all over it or something. It could be, because like I remember he fell into like a. into like a. some water? inside that temple or tomb or whatever it was and I read on a a plot summary that this was like a it was like an Atlantean tomb or something so maybe it actually was just calcified uh Something oh. covering. Uh, cause like, like a thousand year old techno sword or something. Yeah, maybe. Cause like if it was rust, I'm pretty sure if he smashed it, it would just shatter the blade, right? I think so. I've never, uh. I have one knife that got all rusted. And it's packed somewhere, so it's probably just deteriorated nothing right now. <laughs> but I never tried to fix it. I don't know how. Yeah. I don't know either. I, I don't know. I don't know much of anything. <laughs> That's why I work for the state government. <laughs> Because I don't know anything else. But he, he smashed it up and then it become sharp again. Yeah. And then I like this part a lot because they don't show it, but he just, he comes out of the thing. He swipes the chain off with this cool sword, which... That's just a a good image. But they don't show him fighting the wolves or the dogs. They do show in the next shot when he's just walking along, he has a bunch of wolf pelts. (laughs) (laughs) Woven into a, a loose coat, and that's funny. Yeah. So, well, I mean, they they had to they had to spend all their money um, with voiceovers and making actual swords. They didn't want to have to film a fight scene between uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and a bunch of wild dogs, I assume, or a bunch of puppets or whatever. Yeah, it's it's hard to train dogs yeah. to, to realistically 
gentle fight, I think. You can you can train him to murder a guy, or you can train him to play with a guy. It's hard to train him to fight <laughs> murder a guy. <laughs> Yeah, this film was well, did I'm, pretty well with his dad, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if this was done... Well, I don't... Again, I don't know if this happened in the 2011 version. Um, but if this sort of stuff was filmed... More recently, then they probably could just have done all that crap with CGI, but then again, it wouldn't. I don't know. CGI just doesn't have as much charm to it to me as practical effects or animation. It got it's it's gotten pretty old, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Personal opinion. Like, like sometimes it's masterful, but, like, if you're not doing something with it, if you're just saving shots, like, Call of the Wild was a huge mistake. Why'd you do that? <laughs> yeah. I still haven't seen it, but I know it looks terrible because I've seen the commercials. <laughs> Didn't even know there was gonna be a. Is it. I. Yeah, I don't know. I don't keep up with movies anymore. Oh, yeah, it, it's Harrison Ford and CGI Dog. Yeah. That's. strange. Yeah, it's. I don't understand why they would. So, I mean. I'm glad they're trying weird things at least. But, like. Dogs can act. Yeah. You can use the CGI one for stunts so you don't have to risk the dog without, like, replacing the whole ass dog with a weird golem looking fucking. I don't know. So he. He. He killed. He killed the, the wolves and he goes off in a random direction and meets an obvious witch. So like, <laughs> like, listen, I've heard like, well, I've heard more fairy tales than most people, so fair enough. Maybe this isn't common knowledge. But if you're in the woods, and a beautiful woman walks up and, and wants you to come into a lair of some kind or eat a thing of some kind, don't do it! Because <laughs> if that's not a witch, it's a siren or something. Yeah. Because, like, 
Because if you're out in the woods by yourself, you're probably not, you know, made up, I guess is the rule. I don't know, but... feel like if you're clean and very cosmetically inclined, then you're not alone in the woods and vice versa. Yeah. But he doesn't but, know that because he's basically yeah. one year old. <laughs> so he's like... He's like, yeah, alright. Um... And she's like, I can tell you stuff, but you gotta fuck me. And he's like, that's fair. So he does it, and then she doesn't actually turn into anything. She just, like, gets snake eyes and starts biting him, and he throws her into the fireplace. And then she turns into a light and floats away at night. And Conan, who is not me, is like, well, that was fucking weird. I'll stay here, though. And then just kind of takes over. The witch is up for the night, which I don't think I would do. I think I would bail, but... Yeah... I, I don't know. But more power to him. Uh, I mean... It's like... I, I'd have to assume that this sort of stuff is not necessarily something that he's experienced before. I don't know where I'm going with this, but... Yeah, man. I mean, like, Neither is I, but... <laughs> I don't know. He, he, he does seem... He does seem to take a lot of things in stride a lot better than most people would. Like... I I would probably also bail if the same thing happened to me. I would not hang out there any longer. Um, yeah. Also, considering her happen. door, and her door is like a flap of hide. So. Yeah. Uh, it's not like it's that much safer than outside. <laughs> it's just like, well, I'm not gonna leave all this, these, this lunch. <laughs> so it just hangs out there. <laughs> uh, minor fun fact. I don't know if it's fun. But the witch is played by someone named Cassandra Gava. Uh, she has like 40 so on acting credits. She acts in like one thing a year. Um, haven't seen her anything else, but it was noteworthy that her most recent role 
was in 2022 as Voodoo Priestess. <laughs> a movie called Mind Cage. So I'm glad. I'm glad she's doing her thing. Yeah. Because that seems like a fun thing to be typecast at <laughs> for 50 years if you got to typecast or something. Yeah. Be uh, fucking crazy and awesome. It's like, you seem like a... You seem like you have magic powers. Like, alright. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if I actually this, sorry, I, I hate to bring up other podcasts. I know, I know Do it's it. weird, but um, so I I think I mentioned I've been listening to a lot of Behind the Bastards recently. Um, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I started, I, I started to listen to, uh, I finished the first of a six-part series on Vince McMahon. Um, but the entire first episode He's the was wrestling really, guy, right? Yes. The uh, yeah. Um. Okay. The entire first episode was dedicated to sort of like background of uh, the whole wrestling industry. And about the last third of it was dedicated to a different wrestling guy uh, named Fritz von Erich. Or at least his character was named Fritz von Erich. And the character was basically just a Nazi. He, he wrestled in like the huh. 60s and 70s, I think. But the, but the host uh, brought up the point that said that his, his trainer thought up the character of this Nazi character, Fritz von Erich, and the, uh, the, the host of the show said, you know, if your trainer, uh, if your trainer looks at you and, and sees the character like, yes, you're a Nazi, Maybe that says a little bit too much about you as a person. If they see you and think, yeah. yes, you'd be a perfect Nazi. Like, uh, but yeah, I feel like this, she, I feel like this, this actress definitely could portray like she kind of gives those kind of vibes of the sort of like witch you know what you look like <laughs> you look like you would curse people yeah 
Exactly. Like, really? Thank you. What a compliment. Yeah, anyway. I like witches better than Nazis. That's, that's a new <laughs> thing. <laughs> I, I would concur. Witches are definitely better than Nazis. I will serve witches. I will not serve Nazis. Yeah. I'm just waiting for one to come along after my services. <laughs> Final Fantasy VIII style. Get at me. <laughs> I've not played that game in forever. It wasn't the best, but the witches in it were cool. Yeah, I, I can't even remember. <laughs> it's been way too long. Oh well. So this is when... I'm gonna call it like the... It doesn't really fall in act structure, but the, the next big part. Yes, he meets his friend Subotai, but it's also yeah. probably a good part for a commercial. Um, although I don't know how much the beginning we're cutting out, so it might be early, but yeah. okay. this is as good a spot as any. Yeah. Alright. And we're back! We are. We're back from... Oh, shit. Oh. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'll... I'll recover. <laughs> I was trying to think of something else, but all I got was, I'm sorry. I just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm sorry, you're right, and I'm wrong. Uh, that, was, that was the end of that thought. Smooth transitions. That's what we're known for. So he meets a guy chained up outside, which is how I make most of my friends, if we're being honest. Yeah. And he's like, my, my name Subotai. And he's like, what are you doing out here? And he's like, the witch put me out here. <laughs> so nothing. <laughs> Then he's like, well, I'll let you go. Come with me. <laughs> and then they have a theological debate about whose God is better. Mm -hmm. 
I think Subutai wins because his god is above Conan's, like, physically. Yeah. It's like, shit, that's a good point. And, because, uh, like, so they become best friends. Yeah. Because Conan's talking about, like, he worships a god named Krom, which I looked up because I. He said something about it be him being a Norse god, and I think Krom is just made up for the Conan universe. Nice. But, uh, but that kind of threw me off because I, I thought, okay, so is he, is he Norse? Is he, like, Norwegian or Swedish or something? Um, but he's, he's whatever, Sumerian or Samaritan, whatever he is. His race is. Uh, I just thought it was interesting that they. He mentions like Norse mythology or something. And I thought, okay. So I, I guess there's real world mythology, but it's. None of the races are real, so. I, I don't know. But yeah, it, it was a surprisingly long discussion, an in-depth discussion about how Subotai's god of the four winds is better than Conan's god of the mountain because He's, he's the, he's higher up, so he's better. And that's... Makes sense to me. Yeah. And Conan doesn't argue, so... I guess it, uh... Nah, he, he admits defeat. He's like, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And he also admits that he's prayed to Krom a bunch, but Krom has never answered his prayers, which comes back later, weirdly enough. Like, and, and that bothers me that there's this weird plot hole that comes up much later. But we'll get to it when we get to it. Oh shit. I think I know Jesus. Yeah. But so they get this I said earlier the Wheel of Pain song was my favorite song. Mm-hmm. This might be my favorite song. <laughs> Um, well, I'm real paying songs to a favorite song for lifting. This is just their... Their frolicking. <laughs> <laughs> and I enjoy it a lot. 
Because they don't have horses or anything, so when they're going to the next town over, they just run. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe that works. That's fine. Yeah. And yeah. So they're 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 halfway through to completing their D and D party. We've got a barbarian and a thief. Yeah. And the the thief has a ranged weapon. Mm-hmm. The barbarian's a tank. It's good. Yeah. So they're just they're just taking off in that general direction. Uh, and and they got some really nice shots of just you know wide shots of two guys running through the desert. Um, at a pace where it looks like they could run for a long time, or at least it looks like Subutai could run for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, uh, <laughs> I'm still not convinced that Arnold's body could survive on Earth for very long <laughs> in, in non, uh, gym-specific settings. <laughs> but, yeah. But he looks like he's running okay for the short amount of time we see him running. So, whatever. Maybe I'm wrong. It's happened before. It could happen I mean, he again. probably has a pretty good constitution score. I mean, some barbarians get like plus two constitution. Or is that... Yeah, I guess that's true. I think that was older versions of D&D. I don't know. I can't remember. Actually, no. You know what? I think I think stat bonuses are always racial in D&D. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot. Fifth, fifth edition does that. I, I'm, I'm still stuck on 3.5. For some reason. I think barbarians get advantage or proficiency or whatever in constitution checks. Mm, That sounds about right. So he probably, he probably Uh, like made a bunch of his saving throws for exhaustion or something. I don't know. I, I, like, at at a point, I definitely just started, uh, conflating's not the right word, but that's what I'm using for it. Uh, or just, like, I just sort of conflated this with like, oh, this is it's a D and D campaign, sort of, or maybe like a one shot, but yeah. So they're they're like halfway through. The I mean, common the books almost certainly had a pretty big influence on D and D. I think. 
because, like, they're, what, 40 years older? I mean, obviously, Lord of the Rings is the big one that D.D. ripped off of, but also, this came before Lord of the Rings, I think. Not the movie, but I thought the, there were the books. It's based I thought on. they were around the same time, but I could be wrong. Except this is like this is like pulp era, and then Lord of the Rings is like post World War Two. Yeah, I thought all the Conan stuff was um. trying to say it was I thought it was like published in uh magazines or something like, I didn't I didn't know if I th- I thought it was like a serial whatever it is right not like not like a published in book form it was, but let's see, Robert Howard died in 1936, mm-hmm. so it must have been before then. Then... Yeah, Lord of the Rings is the, the 50s, Rings. so yeah, this came way before, actually, yeah. it's like 20 years before. Yeah, so, I mean, the movie is only loosely based on it, so it might not be, you know, relevant, relevant, but the character predates it. Yeah. And in the books I read, he was still called the Barbarian. He didn't, you know... He wasn't all Schwarzenegger specific, <laughs> and I think that was actually a complaint some of the books fans had with the movies that Conan was never huge. He kept being described as like a jungle cat, mm. but but it's fine. Yeah, I mean uh, John Milius had a very specific vision when he wrote this when he wrote the script so like I'm not gonna complain more muscles <laughs> not gonna complain because I'm afraid if I do he'll just murder me still alive. I'm still afraid of that. <laughs> That's there, there are certain people that even if they're uh, dead, I'm afraid that if I say anything bad about them, I'm worried that they'll come back to life and kill me. So. No, that's fair. That's a valid concern. I'm glad. I'm glad you appreciate. I'm glad you. Glad you can, can uh, 
appreciate my concerns. My insane Well, concern. he's the guy who wrote the... Because he knows how to bring people back to life because he wrote the whole thing. Because this movie, I should have mentioned this earlier, this is the movie about a man who uh, was crucified and died and rose from the dead to save us all from the serpent. That man's name was Cody <laughs> Barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John Millis knows that all you gotta do is, is write and sharpie on someone's face and you can bring them back to life if you do it right. Yeah. So, that could be him. <laughs> Okay, so, so they get to towns, and this is when they start experimenting with jerky and getting high. <laughs> and they see a guy fucking a goat, and they laugh about it. And they're like, he's eating street food and Subutai's like, you don't know how long it's been there, that's how COVID gets started. <laughs> and Schwarzenegger's like, I don't know these things. <laughs> and then like, eventually, they start asking about the snake symbol that he remembers from when he was a kid. Those guys came by and killed his village, mm -hmm. and someone recognizes it. And he's like, they're a religion now, and they live in that tower there. And this bit is actually kind of like one of the actual Conan stories. There's a story called Tower of the... Elephant, I think, mm -hmm. in which Conan by himself, I don't think he has friends in that one, I could be wrong, it's been a couple of years since I read it, breaks into tower and then the basement finds an alien, so it's not a lot like this, but the... The action bits are the same, except instead of a snake cult, it was a weird alien cult, and then instead of a giant snake, it was a giant alien. Hmm. Well, Me. And Cohen didn't kill it, he freed it. Hmm. It was kind of neat. Um, and then... He was like, I have answers to all these mysteries. Do you want some? Cohen's like, nah. I just thought it was fucked up. I just thought I would have been Peace. <laughs> 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 
It was pretty good, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they meet Sandal Bergman, who's Valeria, who, near as I can tell, isn't a character in the books. Um, she's kind of Red Sonia, but or she's kind of comic Red Sonia, which was also in the same time period, but mm-hmm. not book Red Sonia, because Red Sonia in the books was like medieval to Victorian era, I think. Yeah. Um, but whatever, she's. She's just a lady, and she's very good at uh, everything, as I can tell. But she also wants to break into this tower, and she notes that they're complete noobs. (laughs) She's like, did you even bring a fucking rope to climb into this tower? And they're like, what's a rope? (laughs) <laughs> She's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so. Yeah, that actually was... No, it was just a funny moment when she's like, Do you even know what's over this wall? And they're like, no. And they're like, and she says, Okay, well, you go first then. <laughs> I like that she's. I I actually like that she's the leader of this group, this ragtag group of idiots. Well, no, she has to be. Well, yeah. like, like the rope conversation is like, okay, well, you tell us what to do, and we'll do whatever you want. Queen, <laughs> like you know about ropes and stuff. Yeah. So she's the third member of the D and D party. I'm not sure what her class would be. I think she's another fighter's problem. Yeah, I think she. Because she's not the rogue. Sumitas the rogue. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess a fighter can be sort of a more leader-like character. Leader-type character. So, okay, that works. Well, it's... You could have redundant fighters because yeah. they got different specialties. Yeah, exactly. You can have a party of like three fighters and one priest that works. Yeah, out. exactly. In fact, that's what I beat Final Fantasy 1 with was three fighters and one <laughs> cleric. Or white mage, whatever they called it. And it worked. Yeah. Because. They just keep them alive, and everyone else just hits things. Yep. Uh, so they, they climb up this tower. At this point, all they know about it is that the symbol of the organization 
which is a religion or a cult or whatever the difference between those two things is, uh, is like the symbol of the guys who killed Collins Village 10 years ago? 20 years ago? Some amount of time ago. Um, But they're already okay just murking guys. Because mm-hmm. they climb into this thing, see some guys, and like, Gardoff it's just... She kills one and takes it, because she don't give a fuck. <laughs> Conan goes to the basement. In the basement, there's a big old ruby... But also a big old snake. Mm-hmm. And I actually think the snake looks great, but I don't know if you got a good look at nope. it. Nope. <laughs> Couldn't even tell there was a snake okay. on screen. <laughs> big old snake. Artificial snake. They. You know, they fight it. It's whatever. The fun facts are that uh, when they're shooting the arrows into the snake, it looks really good. Mm-hmm. That's apparently because Milius was standing just next to the camera shooting the snake with arrows. <laughs> Next to his actors. (laughs) Jesus. Which is why it looks so good. God. This man is fucking insane. I need to watch more of his movies. But also, I don't know how dangerous... I don't know how dangerous it actually is, though, because, like... He misses by a solid two or three feet. If he's two or three feet away, it would be really hard to have fucked that up. Mm. But possible. Um, But it looks pretty good. And meanwhile, upstairs, you do see that it must be the same organization because giant mustache guy Rexar is there. He's dressed as a priest now too and he's instructing this lady to sacrifice herself to the snake. And she's like, bet. And so she goes down there. But by the time she gets there the snake is dead so she starts screaming because she wanted to get at but instead, she just lands on a dead snake. It's like, what the shit is this? <laughs> uh, but they've stolen the ruby, and they've stolen the symbol, and they just kind of fucked off out the skylight. And it's mission accomplished, and they did a good job. But they also killed the snake, which is perhaps more of a trace than Sandal Bergman herself would have left. But 
that's fine. <laughs> she also wouldn't have gotten through the other room. Yeah. And they, what, they, they dive really long way into water, and that they also do in Scorpion King, which I think is the best Cohen sequel to date, <laughs> even though it's not a Cohen sequel, but... The actual sequels both missed the point. So if you really like this movie and want a lesser but still okay version of it, Scorpion King starring Rock the Dwayne Johnson. Um, and that huge guy whose name I always forget from... Green Mile. Michael Clarkson. Yeah. So, so, someone 20 years later understood the assignment <laughs> of getting this big fucking guys and then having them just be like your character's main thing is a big fucking guy. <laughs> they gets out. They gets out. And then they spend all their money like across the street and get super drunk. <laughs> and Valeria and Cullen are kind of falling in love at this point because they're both pretty stupid, <laughs> let's be honest. And they're like, what if we got trashed and boned down in the middle of this bar? <laughs> and, and, and Bergman's like, bet! <laughs> so they do that. <laughs> he gives her the ruby because I think this is the first like like lady person he's turned into who he really respected who wasn't also a witch because every other woman he's met has been well his mom or a random other slave given to him to be bred because they're like racehorses. Yeah. And they're like, Conan's big. Uh, make more of him. And that's <laughs> disturbing on a couple levels, but also slavery's disturbing. Don't do yeah. it. And this is the first one who's like, not turned out to be a witch, who was also really cool. So he's like, I love you. And she's like, that's weird. But then she loves him back for some reason. 
and he gives her the ruby, and Sumatai just kind of there, like, I like when my friends are happy. I'm just a cool guy, and it's not a problem. <laughs> but then they get too drunk, and they get caught by the town guard asleep at the table. Which is awesome. The town guard take them to King Max von Sydow. <laughs> I don't remember the character's name. Cyrus or Osric? I think it's or Osric. Or... I think it's Osric. Okay, Osric. Osric sounds right. And he's like, I can't believe... He's, he just... He acts circles around the entire rest of the movie in about 35 <laughs> seconds. But that's just... Yeah. Uh, we're just shouting about the arrogance! The sheer entitlement! I love you <laughs> bastards! Which was great. <laughs> Because he also hates the snake cult because his his daughter joined them. Mm-hmm. And he's he's going on about how he's super rich and he's king now, but it doesn't matter because what matters is love. And uh, Sandal Bergman's like, Gay? But Conan's like, no, I kind of get it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's. I guess uh, this is sort of like a through line to uh, the Fast and the Furious movies because what's most important is family. Sorry, I should have said it. It's about family. This is family. It's about family. Yeah. Um. Well, also, it's 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 part of Conan's arc where he's realizing that, like, yeah, all this stuff. Stuff being what his dad said was more reliable mm-hmm. isn't as important. And Conan's gonna be a king someday, but look how unhappy this guy is, even though he's king. Maybe you need to, like, not be king, he's thinking. Or, you know, something. I don't know exactly what's going through his head. But also, he... He loved his parents, and they got hit by snake guys. Mm-hmm. And he's like, here's his dad. Here's his dad who really wants to protect his kid from snake guys. Alright, I'll do mm-hmm. it. Also, he gave me a... a, a buttload of reasons. (laughs) So there's a couple reasons to do it. But both Subutai and and, and 
Valyria, like, we already got a buttload of rubies. What if we just take a buttload of rubies and fuck <laughs> off? So, Conan, who's drawing as a person, leaves in the middle of the night, but he leaves Valyria the giant ruby, which was like their, mm. their huge haul. Yeah from the snake thing and all he takes with him is the snake symbol to show around and get caught with because <laughs> he has a plan kind yeah. of uh and here ends chapter two <laughs> chapter three that's it cause I'd, I'd say this is... Because he's just been doing random shit up till now. Yeah, I'd say this is kind of like... Uh, it's like chapter three-ish, I guess. Because I... Yeah, like... Well... Yeah. Chapter three. Okay. Well, this is where he's gonna, for the first time, actually engage with, like, the villain. Mm-hmm. Or like, attempt to, anyway. Or who, who... Yeah, well, it's, it, it has an actual plot now. He's been just kind of going around doing side quests. Yeah, it's sort of like the... This uh, is like the first session of a D&D campaign. You're just kind of like... Kind of like getting... Getting used to the characters. Kind of getting a foothold new in the universe. And this is where, like, the campaign proper begins. Yeah, the rest was all, was all prelude, prologue stuff, like, these are the characters. Mm-hmm. This is the adventure. Yeah. Except it's not characters it's him by himself cause his friends are <laughs> not with him but so he goes off there there being a direction it doesn't say it doesn't matter he knows where to go cause presumably he and, and King I th- Von Sydow had more conversations off screen. I think the king so said something about where to go, but I think he only just said direction. Like he might have said west or east or south or something, but I'm pretty sure he said a direction. I just don't remember. Yeah, well, also, these guys aren't, aren't like, trying to stay hidden. They've got, like, 
They're trying to attract like a Woodstock-sized cult from anyone who comes by and is curious and wants to read their pamphlet. Yeah. So... So they're like, we're here. <laughs> Everyone come by. And Conan goes in that direction. Eventually he runs into Mako the wizard. <laughs> and I think nothing else really happens in the meanwhile, right? He just it's an uneventful trip until he runs into this place. Yeah. And then He's like, hey, are you, do you know where, where to go to get to this, this big cult Woodstock? <laughs> and Michael's like, I do, and I'm very friendly after an initial funny thing where they threaten each other for a second. <laughs> uh... So, so they're close. Mako's rad. He's a wizard loose in a tiny little hut up off the ground. And then Conan leaves all his stuff with them, just like, do me a favor and don't steal all my very valuable stuff. <laughs> and Mako's like, we had a drink together, you know I won't. And he won't, because that's because these guys are all fucking rad. <laughs> he's yeah, he uh, he's a respectable wizard. He's not gonna steal your shit. Yeah, and, and that's what I do like about the uh, like the setting. It's crazy, no one's very smart, everything's very brutal, and everyone's always about to die. But if people, if you get along with people, you are ride or die forever. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Where it's like, can we stay each other? We can. Do you want to get married <laughs> like they basically do <laughs> so he's got a couple riders I assume tie they would die for each other Valeria they would die for each other this guy he just met who doesn't have a name yeah <laughs> they would die for each other <laughs> I just call him Mako because he's the wizard yeah. in every season. <laughs> so he leaves his sword, picks up some flowers, goes off to infiltrate, and and he just finds a a whole big crowd of these people that are all going that direction. They got their midsummer looking robes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And and he like 
Excellent. Okay. Uh, you, priest, you see this ass? And the priest's like, it's a great ass. Oh my god, I'm a priest and I'm in a position of power over you. What if I just fuck? And Conan's like, yeah, come over here. But then he punches him, takes a priest robe. Because priests never really change. You're... I don't even need to get into nomination. It's all. I mean... The sad... The sad thing is... You're actually... Like, almost exactly spot on. Like, it's not even... Oh, yeah. Because, like, he... I mean, Conan tries to lure him away because he says, like, I'm, you know, he, he wants he wants to lure the priest away. And the priest goes with him. And then he's like, priest is like complimenting his physique a bunch. It's like, ugh. It, it's, it's serious. Like, their priests are always, they're always like that. So, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not one, one, uh, one subset. People always make fun of the Catholic priest thing, and that's, you know, that's fair. They, they did a whole cover-up thing. Yeah. But, like, like, Google headlines on it, it's kind of just priests. Yeah. Or pastors, or, uh, uh, what's the other word for, I don't know. Southern Baptists, ministers, Protestants, and and evangelicals, and ministers, that's the one. Um, It's all over. Yeah. There's a a certain personality type that it takes to uh, prey on people's fear of death, and it's also the type that will uh, have sex with people in an inappropriate position of power. Mm -hmm. Anyway... So he goes off. I don't know who this actor is. He looked familiar. I should have looked up, but I didn't. Horny priest. Is that on this IMDb list? <laughs> He's probably on there. There was actually... There was a the witch, a funny line, the wizard at the end, right before Arnold knocks him out, um, because he he like he like looks at the robe and he says, "Is this a priest robe?" And he's, the priest was like, "Yes, it's all I have." And Conan just, you know, knocks him out and he says, and it's all you'll ever have. It's like, wow, alright. 
It might be Eric Holmey. He's this is training war officer, but I don't know who the trainians are. Mm. So that he's got a similar face. That could be him. Maybe. I, I don't know off the top of my head. Hmm. Orgy slave girl, man, street peddler, merchant, fighter, guard, woman, woman, <laughs> priestess, uh, scout, red hair. Guard. This is not helpful. I don't know. I, I'm gonna say it was maybe uh That's really weird. I thought I could have sworn they would have had priest. You know, he's like he's he's not a I mean he's he's not a big character in the grand scheme of things but he's not just like a a face in the crowd you know he's he's singled out for an entire scene I don't know weird I mean if he's training war officer that I think it's Eric Holmey. What if I just look up Eric Holmey Conan the Barbarian Oh, no. He's the guy who taught him how to do sword stuff. Okay, that's different then. Uh, I don't know who this guy was, but he looks to me. Hmm. Weird. I am moving on, not because I want to, but because this has been fruitless <laughs> for a long time. Uh, so he has the robe, and that, that works to get him closer, but then he keeps just... Showing the snake symbol <laughs> to get through checkpoints and some really unusual stolen snake symbol. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's doing fine verbally. He's doing fine disguise-wise. They, they question once about like, what he sees in a spring or something. Uh, and he's getting through all these, but he keeps showing off his stolen property. <laughs> which, you know, as your attorney, I advise you not to do. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> eventually they take it away and they go talk to all the other guards. He's like, oh, that's weird. And he keeps going. <laughs> Because he's Conan and do to do to do.
The sea's Thulsidum, the guy who used to have a cool helmet and cut his mom's head off, but who now is apparently just a, a Jim Jones type. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is what what the country is really afraid of around this time. I think this is relatively soon after Jonestown Ma- Jonestown Massacre. Yeah, I, this came I out. think the Wikipedia article for this actually specifically says that uh, that John Milius sort of based the character of Falsa Doom on Jim Jones. So, it makes sense. Yeah, because that happened in 1978, so we've got 1982. Yeah. Uh, and you can also tell that Millie's is a little uncomfortable with hippies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <That's> fine. <laughs> he doesn't quite understand them. Wait, Jack Taylor, priest. Oh, okay. You did find him. Okay. Could this be him? Show me his face. That could also be him. (laughs) Yeah. Jack Taylor. Alright. Uh, I was actually... Jack Taylor was also in the ninth game. Mm Mm-hmm. And wax gone. Uh, I was just looking at the IMDb page for this because I I normally don't look too much into IMDb, but I just looked at it because I was also looking for the priest character, and uh, apparently, uh, the. I, th- I thought the voice for Subotai sounded familiar, because I'm going to be honest, um, for a little while, I actually, I thought that was Mako, because I'm a fucking idiot. But then when Mako actually shows up later, it's like, oh shit, I'm I'm just dumb. But apparently, uh, according to IMDb, uh, the the voiceover person for Subotai is Sab Shimono. Nah, it's not Gary Lopez. Wait, I know that name. He was Uncle. He I know was that Uncle name. From uh, Jackie Chan Adventures. And a bunch of other. Oh, shit. She's in a ton of other shit. I'm not finding him on the. Uh, the He's page. at the very bottom of the cast but- list. If you go to the all, like, full cast, he's the last name on here. Uh, below John, below John Milius, who is apparently 
a food cellar in the old city. Yeah, I think he's the one who's like, I wouldn't sell bad food to a slayer such as you. Oh shit. He was also in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, which... He was in Waterworld! Yeah, he, he's in... And The he, Shadow! He's in a lot. Sam Shimano's been all Oh, shit. yeah. He was Elder in Waterworld. He was Dr. Roy Tam in The Shadow. I don't remember The Shadow well enough to know who that was, but... Uh, I think he's the... He's in there. Uh, I think he was the guy who, uh, who did the, who did the, 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 can't remember the line, the, the thing that Alec Baldwin has to say back to him, the thing, I forget what the fuck the line was, god damn it, um, Whatever. He, he's that guy, I think. Gotcha. But more importantly, he's Jackie Chan Ventures. Yes. I like that show. I got a tattoo from that show. <laughs> it's a problem. I was feeling silly. <laughs> Using three ninjas kick back? He's in a ton, yeah. Oh, that was the sequel. That was bad. One. <laughs> That's Bruce Lee quest the jet. Oh no, wait. That's that's a video game. That's okay. He's in a video game about Bruce Lee. Cool. Yeah. He was Mr. Sparkle in The oh, Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What the shit? He's pretty so great. How do I know this? Okay, well, I'll stop just reading that. <laughs> As part of the podcast, but but I love him. Yeah. Uh, so where was we at? Right. So he gets caught like right away from showing off all his stolen property. Yeah, I thought that that was actually kind of funny. Like he he gets in, and then like. Four seconds later, he gets he gets uh, found out, and they like scream infidel or whatever. So and then James Earl Jones is like, "Take a seat, assholes." <laughs> now it's James Murphy, and it yeah. is. <laughs> 
uh, two or three minutes, but two or three of the most cinematic minutes <laughs> in the entire film. Uh, basically, he's... In his youth, he thought that, like, finding the best blacksmiths and stuff and the best armor was important, but now he knows that starting cults is what what gets you there. Mm-hmm. And he, he points out some random lady and he's like, Come here, and she's like, make America great again, and dives off the cliff. <laughs> and and uh, he, he proves his point. Mm-hmm. And then Rexar's like, yeah, but also I'm still seven feet tall, so. <laughs> It matters a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And at no point in this do we get the also I'm a snake <laughs> aspect, which comes up later. Because it turns out this cult isn't that stupid because he definitely has magic powers. Yeah. He hasn't shown anyone yet. Right now he's just a charismatic cult leader. So that's... I don't know if it's odd. It's odd. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's a plot hole. But it might be a plot hole. I mean... It, it seems kind of strange to me that he gives this big speech about how flesh is stronger than steel, but then he's clearly using either, like, mind over matter or just magic, which is neither of those. It's like his whole speech is kind of... Oh, it's flesh, right? I mean... He's doing it with flesh. I mean, magic's not really flesh, though. I mean, I mean, you've got somatic components, obviously, but, like, magic is magic. It's not... It's not the flesh kind of thing that he's talking about. I think I think magic's powered by either sunlight or blood. I'm pretty sure. But sunlight's not flesh. Blood is blood is flesh. Sunlight's no, but blood is. And blood magic is the strongest kind. That's why it's illegal. Yeah. Or lyrium, I guess. You can use lyrium to make mana potions. Depending on which mythology you want to get into. I felt like we were skewing a little heavy D&D, so I wanted to bring Dragon Age into Oh, okay. That, really. that, that explains why I didn't know what you were talking about. I still have not played Dragon Age. I'm sorry. Do you have it? I'll send you the order. I, I do one. have it. Uh, I 
I think it's um, someone. Someone gives it to me a, a really long time ago. I think it's one ago. you might like a lot. I I know you. No you have recommended it to me, and I someone else actually gifted me a copy of it a long time ago, and I just have not played it yet. I apologize for that. Well, you don't have to, but I bet if you give it two hours, you'll want to finish it. Oh, yeah. I will, I guess. And if you don't, then you don't. That's the great thing. Yeah, exactly. I always give everything two hours, and if it turns out I beat the whole game in two hours, I'm like, oh, well, that's not time to get bored, so five stars. <laughs> like Pumpkin Jack, which wasn't that good, but you know what? I beat it real quick, and it wasn't bad, so good game. Alright. So he's like, okay, so I made my point, right? So, like, I'm stronger than you, and you're kind of stupid. Um, so we're done with this conversation? All right, crucify this bitch. I don't know why I talk. <laughs> so they, <laughs> they drag him off into the desert. <laughs> And nail him to a tree. The tree of woe. And then he... Not just any tree. The tree of woe. Which... It's a, it's a woeful looking oh, tree. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I... Admittedly, uh, I thought that was just a wrestling term, but apparently it's just a... It was a thing before that, and it... Sure was before, like way before, but that's all. I, I always associated that phrase with a with a wrestling thing where a guy gets hung up on the on the corner on the turnbuckle, like his legs get wrapped around the turnbuckle and he gets hung upside down. So his head and arms are brushing against the mat. Uh, yeah, exactly. That sounds elaborate. It, it's 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 not really, but then you know people usually will like uh, kick him in the face, like they'll slide into them. Uh, feet first or whatever. It's, uh, it's pretty gnarly. It looks pretty gnarly. It's probably hell on their knees, too. Because their knees are, like, wrapped around the, the, the corner and the ropes and everything. It's gotta hurt. Whole thing hurts. And you don't see a lot of wrestlers with good knees. 
Speaking of Vince McMahon, McMahon, did you see that clip where he dislocates both his knees trying to jump into the stage being all dramatic? Uh, I, I, I mean, that was from like 20 years ago, but I've seen that. Um, he actually tore both of his quads. He didn't dislocate his knees. Oh, God damn it. I thought it just looked as No. If it's the thing I'm thinking... If it's the thing I'm thinking of, uh, he, when he, like, dives into the ring, he's, like, super angry and he storms in. Uh, and he, like, his legs hit the bottom rope and he tries to stand up, but both, he tears both his quads. So he's just like sitting in the ring, doing stuff. If that's the one I'm, if that's what you're talking about, yes, I've seen that many times. I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, he he tear he tear. It's foolish to think I knew a wrestling thing that you. Oh, no, it's okay. It's just like that's. That's one of those weirdly iconic moments, um, because if, if you want to know the backstory, no, I don't, I don't need to describe the whole thing about what happened. Nah. I mean, in, in we, I do not. It does involve Dave Batista. We, we do not stand Vince McMahon on oh this God, podcast. Oh, God, no. He's a, he's a monster uh, of human being. We are aware of He's him. a monstrous human being. He's, he's just a huge shit. Yeah. But it's funny when he gets hurt. Uh, which is why it's... Yeah. It's why it's okay that his quads got torn yeah. and he looked like a jackass. Yeah. Uh, but, one uh, thing I will say is that that clip also involves both Dave Batista and John Cena. So we can sort of tie it back to that. So. Yeah, both those guys seem like they're Okay. Business associations aside, because, like, you know, secure the bag. Yeah. You gotta gotta distinguish friends from, like, former bosses, guys. (sighs) If someone once worked (laughs) for a terrible guy in Hollywood or something... That just means they once weren't in charge. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they keep seeking him out, once they're in charge, you know, judge if you got to. But, but remember what it's like to be broke. Yep. I just want to say... Lest all my favorite celebrities who ever worked like Brett Ratner get canceled. <laughs> it's like, listen. Um. Alright, so they, they, they crucify him. 
and he's out there getting eaten by vultures. If you ever played Conan Exiles, the video game, this is where you start. You are crucified oh. in the desert. Conan saves you. And it's like, where do you want to go? And you're like, fuck, I don't know. I don't have legs right now. Can you help me? It's like, no. He leaves. And that's... It's like, I just did. Don't be a bitch. And he wanders off. Uh, I'm not saying it's a good game, but it's an entertaining game for a couple of MMO? Uh, it is. Okay, I know I heard of it. It's an MMO where you can customize your character's donger, which is oh, funny. Because, you know, obviously you want to be really a really buff guy with a stovepipe. <laughs> It's funnier, in my opinion, if you're a really buff guy with the tiny little genitals, or if you're a really skinny guy with a stovepipe. So my character is always one of those two things. Because you have to make yourself pants before you can get any environmental protection. Meanwhile, you're just swinging. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> it's like, I've done a lot of steroids and I have a micropenis, but I'm gonna kill everyone with frogs. And it's funny. I mean, yeah, that that's really realistic to, you know, real life. You know? Yeah. Do them. Oh, it's just funny seeing a guy nailed up to a tree in the desert with video game guys walking by him. There's time to because it's still swinging in the wind because they don't have the physics right. <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah, I really. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> Try it out. It's free, I think. <laughs> it's it's free to play, and then you have to pay to win. But <laughs> like for like, enjoying yourself in the character creator and running through the desert for forty five seconds <laughs> until you build yourself a hand axe and be like, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, then I I found a castle that a guy had made, but I didn't have any stone tools, but he left a way in. So I jumped in through the roof, and then I couldn't break my way out because the doors were all locked and I didn't have any stoneworking tools. So I just died there and eventually logged back in. I was just dead at this table. <laughs> Sounds like my huge muscles and tiny, tiny genitals. <laughs> so, Sounds like a great game. So that was fun. 
Fortunately, well, okay, and this is where I don't think they, they, I don't think PETA signed off on this movie because yeah. they have a, uh, a puppet condor or a puppet vulture or whatever that's actually just a dead vulture. Jeez. Fun fact. Um, so that, that thing that Arnold Schwarzenegger has to bite yeah. into is a very recently deceased corpse oh. of a bird and they have to wash his mouth out with like uh, uh, disinfectant after every day. <laughs> Just that's kind of horrifying. Like it wasn't even taxidermied or but whatever. But it saved a lot of money. Yeesh. No, because taxidermy would be like rigid and not working. Mm. It was like a vulture they killed that morning yeah. or something. Huh. That's disgusting so uh, yeah but dedication there you go yeah also that whole tree was up on a big spinning like lazy susan rig so the sun could always be at the same angle oh so you're just spinning around facing the sun from morning oh, to morning that sounds awful. Well, he wasn't actually crucified to us. So yeah. It takes you to get down off it. Fair. But still. Doesn't sound pleasant. And they might have actually crucified him to it. I don't know. He was always a very no pain, no gain sort of So maybe... But then eventually, his friend, his rider die, cause he gave him food mm-hmm. one time. Subutai comes out of nowhere, somehow knows where the Tree of Woe is, and like, pulls him down. Mm-hmm. But doesn't pull him down in time for him to not quite die. Yeah. So he's only... What he is, is, and I learned this term from Princess Bride, he's mostly dead. (laughs) But there's a big difference between mostly dead and dead. And Mako knows this. Mako is a lot like Miracle Max and that he has <laughs> the way to bring someone back from mostly dead. So what they do with with Valeria and Subutai is they they write all of they they draw a bunch of dicks on his face <laughs> and like 
bunch of, you know, a bunch of like so-and-so was here and Dick goes where and little arrows point towards his mouth it's very funny mm-hmm. but then they also I don't know what they try they're just gonna try to keep his soul in his body is that what they're trying to do uh... it's weird I don't get the magic but but, you know, magic's complicated. I don't understand all the rules. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's wizard stuff. Yeah, and Mako's a really good wizard. Mm-hmm. He can't throw fireballs or kill anyone, but he can raise the dead, so that's arguably more valuable. Mm-hmm. You can just stay back at camp, you know, that's fine. Please join my mm-hmm. party. Uh, so I guess he's technically a cleric? I don't know. But they they have these, these interesting drawn directly onto the cell ghost effects where spirits come out of the ground and try to take Conan away and then Valyria and Subutai have to like bat them away and hold his body down and it's very strange but they succeed and it works mm-hmm. uh, although Valerius warned that there there's a huge price to uh, to this sort of magic. So so be warned by that. She's like, I'll pay it, and that's fine. And it never comes up again. That's it's that's just that issue resolved. Yeah, she's fine. So, next day, Conan's fine. His wounds are closed and everything, and but he's a little different. He's 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 more carefuler and he's calmer and he's like, it turns out I can die. I didn't know that. <laughs> so. So he does, he does his, his iconic sword kata on the cliffside thing. Mm-hmm. It's the first time I've ever in any movie before or since knows someone triceps <laughs> uh, jumping out of the screen at me. Biceps are always a thing, but the triceps on this mm-hmm. guy, like, I was like, why are his arms so saggy? It's like, they're not saggy at all, this shit's rigid, what is happening? <laughs> and then, I, I guess they're gonna go back and try to, they're gonna get 
the the princess, but they're gonna get her from the back rooms instead of just somehow they know the whole layout of this place now. Yeah. I, um I think this is the only thing that doesn't make I sense. I said something about somebody knowing the layout. I don't. I don't know. But somebody says something about maybe he did. Maybe he could have scattered out like overnight or something. He is the rogue. Yeah. So, maybe he scattered it out or something. I know, I remember he, he, he said something about something, and they know that there's, like, back entrances and stuff uh, inside the mountain, rather than having to go into the into the temple and then down into the mountain or whatever. So, yeah, I think they just decided yeah, that they're... but the silence is... Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 just, you're right. Like, the silence seem way handier mm-hmm. than his initial plan was to walk up the front door. <laughs> So he's like, oh, right, now that I've got my squad and our leader back, she's like, well, if you used a tactic. <laughs> he's like, uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> so they do that. And this is where it gets weird. Because, like, because they get all dressed up in their sneaky clothes. <laughs> Which is just still half naked, but with, with body paint on. It's pretty cool. And then, like, they, they go in the back into the, uh, the, the orgy and guy soup mm-hmm. room. Cause like, and then we discover this cold isn't just having a bunch of people walk up, but they're actually eating them in in a big a big not even chopped up. Like aquamarine soup <laughs> thing, which is not the color of any soup I've seen, and also like if you're gonna make hand soup, you you dice it up, guys. Like you don't just put hands in soup. Also, listen. Real advice, don't serve soup at an orgy, what are you doing? Like hot soup at an orgy? No, just 
get a nice charcuterie, you know? You don't need bowls and spoons and things. You don't need to bring utensils into this sort of stuff. Yeah, if you want to get nasty, put some ham out. Still don't do, like, hot soup. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> anyway. Um, but they sneak in. They, they kill some folks. Thulsa Doom... While nobody's looking, so it's to impress no one, this is just how he hangs out. Turns into a snake. <laughs> they get a they get a rubber like James Earl Jones face and kinda just push a snake head through and then he turn into the snake and then he fucks off. They're not under attack or anything. Like, he doesn't do that as a response to anything. He just... That's just the thing he does sometimes. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's when I realized, like, this cult isn't dumb. Like, if I'm in this world... There's one guy who could turn into snakes, and he's like, Follow me. Like, yeah. Yeah, not gonna, not gonna argue with that. That? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, I've seen one guy who has magic powers. There's a guy who lives out in some weird hut, like, off the ground, who says he has magic powers. <laughs> He's never doing anything, like... Makes sense, yeah. So they, they grabs... they grabs the princess. Mm -hmm. By pouring a bunch... they knock over the hand soup. <laughs> and then, like... They, they fight some guys, but not the main guys. And then they're fleeing and everything's fine, but then... James Earl Jones is back, and what he can do now... <laughs> is talk to snakes and convince them to be really rigid and act like arrows for him. So he shoots a snake arrow after them, and it hits Valeria. Mm -hmm. She's gonna die. But that's the price she paid, and she's okay with it. And then they're going back to the wizard who brings people back to life, but they're like, we have no other tasks for you. <laughs> when they get there with their dead other friend, because maybe she's she's more dead than most dead or maybe he's just like I'm out of ink or like I don't know but I feel like 
Let's go for two resurrections in two nights, that's rad. Yeah. And then eventually Subutai can die, and then you're three for three, <laughs> and then it's just like, that's a good half week. But they don't do it. Yeah. And we... Uh, we... It is as sad as anything in this movie can be, but without more than like four spoken lines per person, its impact is limited. But she was cool, and then she died, so like, R.I.P. Valeria. The cool dancer. Then, uh, instead of taking the princess back to her dad, they're gonna leave her there and try to lure everyone in and then kill them all. Which is cool. Mm-hmm. So they're setting up, like, home-blown-ass booby traps. <laughs> Among all these, these mummies and and stone cairns and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, they never really got into why the mummies were all there, but they are. It's a, uh, it's your standard kind of, just like a weird graveyard kind of thing where he lives. Yeah, but it's like a big above-ground graveyard, because, like, they're all... There's this big mound. It's like a burial mound, but then nothing's buried in it. They're all out front. Like, leaning against rocks and propped up and tied up in full horseback positions. It's weird. It's cool. Like, visually, it's really cool. And if that's an option, like, do that with me. <laughs> don't... Don't put me in the ground. Like, put me in a fake traffic jam in a circle somewhere <laughs> with a bunch of other... rusted-out cars with mummies in them. Like, that's cool. But, like... It wouldn't work. <laughs> Because they're scavengers. Uh, We've seen a vulture in this movie. We know they exist here. Anyway, then we get get the... uh, I guess the climax of the movie. Mm Because... They ride in, the bad guys ride in, Tulsa Doom rides in with his his two guys, including Big Mustache and other guy. And Wizard helps and Subutai helps and they kill them all. And it's cool, because the music is scored really well and goes right with it. And I can't describe why this is cool, because nothing in particular that interesting happens. Like, one dies from a trap. 
then couple get like speared off of their horses and one guy gets just chunked in the face with a battle axe and a bunch of squibs go off. That looks very satisfying. But like eventually they kill everyone and it's real cool and the music builds with it and at one scene, Conan swings his Atlantis sword at Big Mustache Guy, who has his father's sword, who he said he goes count on, and breaks it. Mm-hmm. Which means... I'm not sure exactly what, but his father was wrong. And it... it is. And then... Thulsa Doom was right, and Flesh is stronger. Except he breaks it with another better sword. <laughs> but... That's still... You know... It's... it's... It's complicated. Yeah. Uh, but then he takes his his dad's broken sword to go confront Thulstoom for the last time. But then when he realizes he's losing, Thulstoom's like, well, fuck it, I'll just kill the princess then so you can't have her. <laughs> and shoots another snake arrow. But Subutai, who's just the clutch best friend, comes in like, no, and blocks the snake arrow. And Thulstoom's like, fuck, and rides away. (laughs) And then the princess immediately switches sides, which I wish people were that easy to deprogram in real life. Uh, and she's just like, oh, turns out he doesn't have my best interests in mind. I'll show you how to sneak in to his thing again. So they do. Yeah. And that... Out... No... Yeah, I feel like I should spend more time in the climax of the movie, but like that's that's what happens. Yeah. Is there something I'm is there something else I should include? Like that's enough. It's just a, it's a standard two warriors and a wizard off against like thirty guys and they win because they're better. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, as far as I read and understood, that was pretty much it. Like, they just, they outsmarted the bad guys. And, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, yeah, it kind of leads up to the, the, I guess this is the the real climax when Falsa is and he's in his like I don't think 
pulpit is the right word, but he's like addressing this giant throng of people. Um, you know, just telling his cult leader shit. Um, and then Conan. Yeah, it's basically a pulpit. Like he's he's up on you know religious leadership. Yeah. Uh, spot above a congregation. Like that's yeah. a pulpit. But like Conan just shows up and Fulce is like, oh, my son. And just sort of tries to welcome him with open arms. Like he's, I guess he's trying to, yes, I think he's supposed to have some sort of hypnosis powers or something. Yeah, because that's what he used on his mom in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And that's what he used on that, that yeah, girl who slept to her death. And and also yeah. to the princess. He sort of has this weird, like, existential thing of, like, I'm the one that made you. Yeah. Like, if I hadn't done all my shit, you would just be some happy kid in the mountains with the family, which sounds horrible. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not super convincing. (laughs) No, because Conan just lops his head off. So, yeah, and it's a chunky lop off too. Mm-hmm. Cause he uses he uses his dad's broken sword, mm-hmm. which is fun already. And it takes like like three swings mm-hmm. and just sort of like goes in, you get this like tonk noise. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah, but it's cool because we don't like the bad guy. <laughs> and then he shows his head to all of his followers and throws it down the steps. <laughs> and again, wish it worked like this in real life. They realize he's not a god anymore. Mm-hmm. They quit. Yep. And, uh, they walk away and it's kind of dramatic, but the music makes it very dramatic and very good. And I, I don't know how to describe how fun these scenes are with Basil Peldor's score, <laughs> except they just are, and you gotta take my word yeah. for it.
And that's it. Like, he waits for literally everyone to leave, his entire giant crowd to leave. Then he sets the temple on fire and leaves with the princess. You think, like, maybe they're gonna get married, even though the woman he loved just died, but, like, maybe they get married. Oh, there was a... And that's how he becomes king, but then... Sorry, I just remembered when you mentioned about the... the Valeria, because... Because there was, like, there, there was an important oh, part. Oh, right, the yeah. Because, like, <laughs> he's fighting uh, Mustache Man, and he's losing. And it looks like he's about to die. And then she appears um, as a ghost, and she's, like, she gives him some word of encouragement or something. And then he... Defeats Mustache Man. But, yeah, that was... That was interesting. That's a nice... Nice... Tie-in, I guess, to the... The end of their relationship. Yeah, somehow I forgot the ghost thing, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's very, uh, very relevant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, like, the movie ends with, with Mako, uh, just describing how Conan goes on all these other great and amazing adventures and eventually becomes a king of his own uh but they 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 don't want to talk they don't want to show it now they'll show it another time <laughs> which I guess is why they left it open for yeah. a sequel Which they made, mm-hmm. but it wasn't very good. Mm. But I think they, they had a plan of doing, like, a couple of these. Like, like four or five of mm-hmm. them. And I think it's the sort of setting and and lead that you could... If, if they did, like, a James Bond thing with it and just, like, recast Conan every couple of years mm-hmm. as a new action bodybuilder and there are a bunch of these, like, that could work. That's sort of what the stories are like. Like, the stories take place and pick up in a non sequential order like random periods and it would yeah. be it would be good but just their first sequel sucked so bad <laughs> like like so bad <laughs> that it fell apart and that's that's too bad because I would have been here for him. Also, you don't really get a lot of 
I mean, clearly there aren't a lot of people who share the same sort of body type as Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, it's... It might have been difficult to cast somebody else as a Conan character. You know? I mean, there there are a fair number of them now, though. Like... But the like one thing Conan did that was bad, I think, is you know ruined movie stardom for uh, healthy normal people. <laughs> but <laughs> because now everyone who has any scenes where the shirts are off, like. Like, look at Christopher Reeves' Superman, you know? Yeah. That was fine then. And then Arnold came along. <laughs> now you've got Hugh Jackman as characters who supposedly don't just live at the gym, which you have to do. But... Um, but you've got, you know, he wasn't the only bodybuilder, the only, like, Mr. Universe champion. He was the best one, but he could have... Jason Momoa could have been Conan if the movie was better. Uh, Dave Bautista could have been a Conan. Younger Dwayne The Rock Johnson could have been a Conan, I think. And kind of was in Scorpion King. <laughs> like, you know, you can... It would have been doable. Yeah. Um, if Conan the Destroyer wasn't such a bad movie. (laughs) But it was. Such a bad movie. Wait a second. Hold on. I'm just looking up the cast for Conan the Destroyer. Uh, I didn't know Wilt Chamberlain was in that movie. The yeah, Grace Jones too. That couldn't oh, save it. Oh shit! Wow, that that's very unfortunate. I I mean, no. The, the problem was not the casting. It also also used Basildor's Basil Paladors's soundtrack. Mm-hmm. The problem is. It was rated PG. And they swapped out the writer and the director and were trying to go for like a... uh, I 
Honestly, I think you should watch it. I, I, I will, uh, I don't know actually. if you do an episode on it, but it's... It's bizarre how most of the same ingredients were used so wrong mm. and showed us exactly why Milius uh, was so important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I actually will watch this. The Destroyer. Just because I... Out of sheer curiosity. Yeah, it's kind of... It's a sort of movie I should like. Just because looking at it... It's... It's a different look than Cone Barbarian. But it's like a... uh, a more in line with like what would I call it? More in line with like a uh, a, a Flash Gordon kind of look, which I like on its own when it's doing that sort yeah. of thing. But they just did not know what they were doing with hmm. it. So it was, uh, it was very unfortunate. Yeah. Hmm. I'll still watch it. But I... I love this movie. It makes me want to lift weights. I never <laughs> do it unless I watch this movie or, like, two others. And... Consistency is apparently important with that, so it's never going to avail me anything. But, um, I, 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 I like its simplicity. Uh, I like the same reasons it is sort of unwatchable for you, honestly. So that, that was my bad. But, like, I, I like that there's so few words and that it's so, like, primitive. I've watched a couple of, um, just while I'm at work and meetings that are really boring. I've watched a couple of those YouTube reactions where it's, like... Mm-hmm. There's a bunch where it's just like, like, e-girl, a, a Twitch star, like, I haven't seen movies before because I'm a Gen Z, <laughs> and those are boring, but they've got some channels where it's like they get international audiences or completely culturally different audiences like villagers that just got electricity a couple years ago audiences Mm -hmm. like what they think of things and Conan the Barbarian is one of those movies that kind of works across a lot of different languages and across a lot of different cultures specifically because speech doesn't matter that much yeah I can see that And everyone gets like, yeah, I killed the guy that killed your mom, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... I I like it for that reason. It's just, like, it's a hunk of rock. 
as a storytelling mm. device, you know. Yeah. And I enjoy it. And I don't think they've made another one quite like it. But I apologize that I didn't think of how much of a bitch that would make it for you to watch. So. That's okay. I was just thinking, like, well, this isn't that dark, and there aren't quick cuts, so it'll be fine. Nope. <laughs> Sorry. That's <laughs> okay. I, 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 I feel like I can't really rate this movie, or... Yeah, like, I, I can't say whether or not I'd recommend it or not, just because... It was just impossible to see anything. <laughs> so, like, it's... Uh, I feel like it's kind of weirdly in the same sort of category as, like, Felix the Cat in that I don't know if it's possible whether I could or could not recommend it, but for very different reasons, obviously. <laughs> so, Fair. I mean, I, uh, if you ever find a version that's been made like high contrast or something, yeah, it is. I. I feel bad. I don't feel like I'm not gonna lose sleep over it, but I feel bad because, like, I think you would like this if it was delivered right. Yeah. But maybe it can't be. I don't know. I I would say don't worry about it. You know, the, this sort of stuff happens uh, a lot, <laughs> so it's, you know, like the, the, the movies that I can watch and I don't want to say enjoy because I can enjoy lots of movies, even ones that are that are like that have more action sequences or whatever than this um it's just that this this movie had like a very specific conflagration of if of like all of its different parts combined made it not unwatchable, but not in like unwatchable as in it's bad, just unwatchable as in I literally can't watch what's happening. Yeah. So, I think. 
I think a conflagration is a fire, isn't is it? Is it? Shit. Maybe I'm on a different word. Um... Whatever. A, just a com... com Co- confluence? That's, I think, a better word. Yeah. Like, it all... Yeah. Basically, okay. like, all of its... All of its parts combined made it into something that I just... I, I literally can't watch, unfortunately. Because I actually did really want to watch this. I was looking forward to it. Um, and I'm sure if I found a version that was... That had where, like, the visuals were a bit more striking, then I would probably enjoy it more. Um, but then again, I don't want to watch something that's too striking, because then I'll end up with something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is also unwatchable for me, but in a very different way. Like that one had that had too much going on. It's like this is I love that this one is the, too. I know I know I I've, I I appreciate who from who Fran Roger Rabbit on an objective level. It's just like it's too visually busy for me to enjoy. This is the polar opposite. This is like too visually stark and drab for me to be able to get much out of it. But I think if I if I didn't have such terrible eyesight, I'd probably enjoy it a lot. So, I'll, I'll give you that. I'm sure I would enjoy it if I could see it. Because, <laughs> like, the parts that I could see, I no, did enjoy. I'll, I'll take it. And, like, the soundtrack's amazing. And James Earl Jones is James Earl Jones. And Mako is Mako. And, you know... Like, I can't complain about them. I can't complain about a lot of stuff in this movie. Um, All those things you just said are true. It's just, you know, I, I I can't see it. And this movie is so visual that, like, it makes it real fucking hard to say whether or not I would enjoy it, but I'm sure I would if I could see it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. Well, as long as it was, uh... As long as it's 
given you something to think about, re Conan the Destroyer and how bad that movie is, then I'll call it a mission accomplished. I mean, one interesting thing that I, I did read just a tiny bit about this movie, and one of the things I thought that was interesting was that this movie was extremely polarizing when it came out. Like, most, like, for every critic who, who liked it, there were, well, like, at least one or two critics who hated it. Like, they thought it was too simplistic and stupid or whatever, but... It's, it's not really stupid, you know? Like, it's, it might be, might tell a simple tale, but it also has some layers to it. Like, you're dealing with characters who are trying to deal with childhood trauma and, and loss and, um loneliness and stuff like Valeria talks to Conan about how he's the first person she's she's ever met who she feels like a connection to like she's always been alone in her entire life and like I, I can I can I can relate to that sort of stuff. So, like, it's not... It's not just a stupid... You know... Movie of... You know, giant muscle man killing... Dozens of extras or whatever, you know? It has... It has... It has death. And I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> I can ask. I can relate to yeah. big, strong man realized that father was wrong about something while having to kill dozens of smaller men. Like, I can relate yeah, to that. exactly. It's, it's a very relatable movie. That's my whole life. A very relatable movie. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird sort of like middle ground for me. Like I I can't say whether or not I would recommend it, but I'm sure I would if I could have seen what happened. Yeah. Yeah, that that seems fair. So it's uh it's one recommend and one conditional hypothetical. Exactly. Sweet. I'll take it. All right then. All right.
Well, I don't have much of anything else, but... But thanks for watching this, Smithy, and... and sorry you couldn't get as much out of it as I could, but we'll... We'll figure something yeah. out. Shit, I don't know what we'll watch next time either. We should check that pole. Probably Volcano one. Right? Oh yeah. Whichever one's ahead in the Volcano thing, probably. Sounds good to me. Cool. Alright, well... There's gotta be... This is a movie with a lot of simplistic, meant-to-be-shouted, quotable lines. Mm-hmm. I'm having trouble coming up with the one to sign off with. <laughs> like... Like, it's a back and forth about what's best in life. That doesn't work. <laughs> As a sign off. Uh. That is power. No, podcasting is power. No, that's dumb. <laughs> Until next time, I've been Ben. I am Sam. And I will hear the lamentations of your women. Yeah! God, that's threatening. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash matineemanities. If you'd like to support the show, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all proceeds after hosting costs will go towards actual manatee habitat preservation. You can listen to Matinee Manatees on iTunes, the Stitcher app, and YouTube. Our music was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find this track and much more on his website, incompetech.com. <laughs>